everybody, and welcome to Full Metal Pod. I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy. So we took a, a week off, so we've had two weeks or so. How has your past two weeks been? Uh, my past two weeks have been pretty okay. I took a little vacation last week. Um, just happened to fall on my birthday. I usually don't take off for my birthday, but uh, this past year and even like this year, I've kind of been crazy with the pandemic. I've just occur incurred like so much vacation time um, that um, does not carry over. So I got to use all this vacation time. So I decided just to uh, take a week off and uh, sleep in every day, which was enjoyable. Nice. That is, it's funny because it seems like that is what a vacation is in pandemic times because it's not like there's a ton of other things you can do. Uh, but it's still like nice just to not do anything for a few days. It is great. And I always find this kind of, uh, this. I always feel this way whenever I take a vacation but I don't go anywhere. I am so bored at home. I feel like, there's nothing to do. I'm just sitting here waiting for the day to go by. But when it's like time to go back to work, I'm like, man, I don't want to go back to work. I wish mm -hmm. I had another day of vacation. It's just I'm stuck in this loop. Same. Like even when even when things were normal, when I was when it wasn't pandemic times and when I was traveling relatively normally and whatnot, I did also have that weird balance where it was like on one hand you know, you're like, yes, I'm so glad to be away from work and not have to work right now and just be able to enjoy myself and all that stuff. But then on the flip side, you're also like, at some point, you're like, I just want to go home. I want to get back to the swing of things. I want to get back to work and everything. So it's it, it's kind of just weird, that juxtaposition. Yeah, I do feel like work makes me better with my time at home during the day. Because uh, it limits the time I'm at home, so while I'm, when I get home, I'm like, oh, I got to be as productive as I can be with what little time before I have to go to bed. So work regulates me. No work, I'm just a madman wandering around. Yeah, same here. I need, I definitely need something in my life to keep things like normal or keep keep things going. But then, of course, just take a little break every now and again. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, I did catch some cool movies. Did you watch any good movies this week? Uh, so I watched the new Godzilla film. Um, I started watching or the documentary on QAnon, and then I think I was watching some, uh, watching some King of the Hill and some Family Guy. Uh, watching a bunch of just series that I've seen before. House. So not not. I mean nothing. I think the only new stuff I watched was, in terms of movies was Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla, whatever it is. Oh, is that QAnon documentary? Is that on HBO? It is on HBO Max, and I think it's, um, I think it's like a six-episode miniseries or something like that. Oh, I have to check that out. I am. A sucker for like a cult documentary or some 
any kind of weird documentary murder mystery, I get sucked into it. I just uh, can't help myself. I just like binge it all in a day. Yeah, I think so. It's like I, I have mixed feelings about the bingeability of things. So on one hand, I like like when they just do a, a dump of episodes and say, okay, like Stranger Things next season is out and they put all 12 episodes or whatever there and then you can just sit through a weekend and watch it and be all caught up. And on one hand, I like that, but then it's like when you're done, it's like, okay, now what do I do for the next month or two or whatever until the next show gets dumped? And then I do like some of the stuff that's episodic, but then I think it, it feels like streaming services has kind of conditioned us to to get used to binging shows. So like with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where you're waiting every week for a new episode, it, even though you know we've been that's how we've been watching TV for years and years and years and years, it still just feels wrong. True. I I do love binging a show all at one time. I, I love a, a Netflix dump and just uh, taking the weekend and watching a whole arc in one sitting. But I do also love the flip side of something being weekly. Uh, WandaVision definitely taught me this. How much it makes you excited for a certain day. So mm-hmm. now every Friday I'm like, oh, I get to watch the newest episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which, by the way, if you're not watching it, I personally really love it. I find it very grounded, uh, kind of superhero show. It, uh, uh, it's like very real life in ways. So I, I recommend it. But I do feel like it. Disney Plus is bringing back the uh, the weekly thing and it's making me excited for uh, certain days. Yep. Yep. I've been watching it too. I'm enjoying it. I find it funny. Not funny. I guess it's just how it worked out because I guarantee you this is not how Disney Marvel envisioned it. Uh, But, you know, they're the three properties that are kind of launching phase four are all Disney plus shows because, you know, COVID pandemic era has kind of pushed everything uh, uh, back. And now it looks like Black Widow's not launching until July, yet the Loki series comes out in June, if I'm not mistaken. We just finished WandaVision, and then we're in the midst of Falcon Winter Soldier, so it is kind of interesting that they're starting the whole Phase 4 with their Disney Plus series, not, not the movies like we've seen in the past. Yes, but I am loving it. Um, Full disclosure, I am a Marvel fanboy. Um, I pretty much love everything they throw out. So me saying I'm loving this, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I like having kind of uh, our smaller characters lead us in to this next phase. It's a very interesting uh, way to uh, kick off what's coming up and very excited for Black Widow. I can't wait. I definitely feel like this is going to be the movie I finally go out to the theaters and see. Um, what are we looking at? Mid-July it's coming out. Uh, I've been vaccinated. Um, you know, My family's been vaccinated. Some of my friends have got vaccinated. So 
I feel like by July I'll feel comfortable going to the theater. So, but I am probably also going to be buying it on Disney Plus because, you know, I got to watch it more than once. Hmm. Yeah, I think I I don't know. We'll see when July hits if uh, theaters are a bit more normal. By then, I probably will have my vaccine, uh, so I'll probably watch the movie then. One thing I am curious about though is how it affects Phase Four because supposedly, like the original release order was pretty meticulously planned as what happened in one series affected another series or, or something like that. So like, I guess whatever was supposed to happen in uh, Black Widow was supposed to affect uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, which is why they were originally in that release order. And I guess WandaVision is supposed to lead into Doctor Strange. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering like, what if anything has changed as a result of that? But I guess only time will tell. I do also feel like it's going to be interesting. Uh, not only did we get the Disney Plus show shuffled in front, we also got, after Black Widow, everything kind of did their own shuffling. Uh, Eternals got pushed back again. Um, Spider-Man got added. Because it was supposed to be Black or WandaVision straight to Doctor Strange. But now it's WandaVision, Spider-Man, then Doctor Strange. And then Shang-Chi got pushed all the way up to be the movie that comes out right after WandaVision. So it's going to be fun to see, like, is there a timeline with all these movies that are coming out? Or is everything supposed to be kind of like happening around the same time or in the past? I'm really curious to see what's going on. Yeah, I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. I mean... I'm guessing Marvel might have made some changes, either reshoots or something to make the new release order make sense, but who knows? Let's see here. So, I think we're ready to cover two episodes of the podcast, and I think, what, we have only maybe four podcast episodes left to record or something like that? Five, maybe? So, we're getting to the end, guys. Are you ready to hit it? I I am ready to go on with this episode. I am dreading ending this. So, yeah. But, you know, every good thing has an ending. Exactly. So we are on episode 31 for the podcast. For the anime itself, we're going to be looking at episode 58, which is Sacrifices, and episode 59, which is Lost Light. Uh, so let's pick up with episode 58, where Mustang is confused about what happened to Edward. The doctor tells him that he'll be following Edward soon enough. Edward is seen being pulled through the portal of truth. Uh, this transmutation that the doctor did to kind of collect all of the sacrifices uh, was a large one. Apparently, it created a lot of lightning in the sky, the kind of the blue sky beam thing, as well as earthquake felt all around the city. Greed and Wrath are still going out and fighting. Greed manages to knock Wrath off of the wall, uh, but he also falls as well and is hanging on to the edge, about to fall into the moat while Wrath is holding on to him. He slips, but Lanfang manages to grab Greed at the last minute before he falls, uh, but she cannot maintain the weight of both Greed and Wrath. Greed asks Lanfang to forget about him because, you know, 
her auto male can't handle the, the, the weight of both of them and starting to bleed, but she can't give up either because she is sworn to protect the body of Ling. So Lanfon asks the Briggs soldiers to help her. One runs up, shoots Wrath, but then Wrath throws a sword at the soldier, but hits him in the shoulder, not fatally, which is interesting. I guess we're seeing that his ultimate eye is not working anymore. Uh, the soldier gets a shot off at Wrath, hits him, and he falls into the water. Link takes over Greed's body and begins to plead with everyone to revive Fu. He figures, hey, I've got a Philosopher's Stone. This is a Mestris, the nation of alchemists. It's like surely somebody here can bring him back to life, but you know everybody kind of knows that that's just not possible. Human transmutation is forbidden. And it's really just sad because he's distraught over the fact that he can't help Fu. A central soldier manages to get a shot off at Ling and hit him in the head. Of course, being a homunculus, he heals. He's fine. Uh, but this only frustrates him further because he's like, hey, why? what does it matter that I got immortality if I'm not able to protect the people who matter to me? Buccaneer is bleeding out. Ling thanks him for being able to deliver a fatal blow to Bradley because by doing that, Fu's death was not in vain. Briggs soldiers are starting to run out of ammo. They are no longer able to defend the gate. Before dying, Buccaneer asks Greedling uh, to help defend the gate. Being a homunculus, having all ultimate armor, all of that, would give him an unfair advantage. Well, for the central soldier, it's definitely a fair advantage for Briggs. And so, Ling and Greed agree to defend the gate. He heads down and warns the soldiers to give up, giving them one last chance to run away, kind of saying, hey, for those of you who have loved ones or spouses or whatnot, this is your last chance to leave, because clearly Ling doesn't want to kill, but he will if they fight. So, uh, And of course, well, Greeling are successful in fighting back and pushing everybody back, and, well, Buccaneer unfortunately succumbs to his wounds and passes away. Uh, the video begins to jump around, showing kind of the city, and people are kind of confused because the, there's that earthquake, there's smoke coming from Central, you can hear gunshots. It was, the city's kind of in, 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 in I guess, a, a state of panic, understandably so. Sega's confused as to what happened because, you know, he just saw his wife kind of weirdly vanish. Alex mentions that their brother described what the portal of truth was like, so he believes that's what happened to her, but he doesn't really know exactly what the portal of truth is, so he doesn't really have much else to say. Olivier talks to her command and learns that Bradley, while he was um, successful in killing a number of Briggs soldiers and ultimately Buccaneer, uh, with the help of Fu, Buccaneer was able to was able to deliver a fatal blow to Bradley. And then, of course, now Greed is on their side. They mention that Buccaneer died smiling, so Olivier mentions that they need to keep fighting. Ed and Teacher arrive in the throne room of Father, along with Al, but Al hasn't woken up. Um, he's, you know, his just body just drops and he's not responsive. Uh, we now see Father, who has consumed... Yeah, <clears throat> we now see Father, who has consumed Hohenheim. Well, kind of. Uh, Father has four of the five sacrifices together now. 
Uh, Hohenheim states that this black piece of goop is father uh, in his true form. And Ed and Teacher prepare to fight, and Alphonse is still missing. Scar, Reason, Mustang continue to fight the mini Fearers, I guess you can call them. Uh, the Doctor is upset that they are one sacrifice short. The men capture and pin down Reason, Scar, and Mustang. The Doctor asks Mustang to perform a human transmutation. Uh, basically, as we've mentioned before, anybody who opens the gate is a sacrifice. And so uh, once Mustang opens the gate, he qualifies as a human sacrifice. Mustang refuses, and the doctor says, hey, we've run out of time. So they cut Reza's throat, and she begins to bleed out. This is to force Mustang's hand. They basically say, hey, perform a human transmutation. You can bring her back to life. Or, hey, I'm a, I'm a doctor who specializes in medical alchemy. Uh, if, you, if you open the gate, I'll heal her before she dies. But, of course, uh, Mustang is hesitant, and the episode ends with him just saying, all right. So what were some of your takeaways or thoughts in this episode? This episode had some really great moments for me. Um, definitely Greedling, uh, a lot of him, and then uh, Buccaneer. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, man, I really felt for, uh, Greedling or I don't know. It. I wonder if it's both of them, but when, when Fu, when he's over Fu's body and he's yelling and he's like, uh, you know, can uh, someone save him? You know? And he's like, I have a philosopher's stone. And when he says that and he's touching his chest, we all know. He's talking about the Philosopher's Stone in him. And do you think Greed didn't, like, be like, no, you can't use this stone, it's me as well? Or do you do you think uh, either Greed was like, no one's going to do this, or did Greed feel that same way, like that passion inside of him for Old Man Fu? I don't know. I think Greed probably felt some sorrow for him to some extent because I think Greed knows what it feels like to have people he cared about killed because we saw, even though he talks about them being his possessions, we saw how he reacted to um, the Fuhrer attacking or killing his people. So I think there's that part of it. Um, but Greed was, you know, silent, just kind of like everybody else. Greed himself didn't really say anything. It was all Ling who was saying it while everybody just kind of looked forlornly at Ling as he was pleading for help. I do wonder maybe Fu had been dead for too long. Well, he's dead, so you'd be basically bringing him back to life, which is different than using the Philosopher's Stone to heal wounds. So, but man, I definitely felt it when Greed was, or not Greed, well, Greedling, Ling mostly, was crying out to people. Uh, just, it's this person who's been by his side and wanted to protect him from, you know, any harm. And in doing that, he sacrificed himself. It was a very emotional uh, part of this episode. And like I say, every time a character dies, it's, uh, 
no character's death goes uh, unnoticed in a sense. I, I don't know what the right word is to say, but every character's death has a meaning, even like the smallest side character. Not that old man Fu was such a small character, but I wouldn't consider him a super main part of this. He, we met him what, a, uh, not a few episodes, but maybe like ten or twenty episodes back, and he was missing for a while too. But his death still had meaning to what what's going to happen. Yep, in a lot of ways, he definitely was more of a side character. Like he was important enough to where we got to know his name, but he wasn't. He wasn't a primary character into the story. He just kind of was uh, helping things move along or helping the plot move along, but without actually participating. But even still, yeah, his his death, we definitely feel. And then we see how it affects both Lan Fon and, uh, and, of course, Ling and kind of everybody around him. And, well, we also see that they kind of honor him, too, because we see the Briggs soldiers, when they're talking to Olivier, they mention that, you know, with the help of, of Xing soldiers, they're able to land a deadly blow on Bradley. So they acknowledge yes. that and sacrifice, too. He's, so he I, wore you know, Bradley down. He obviously like him served and a much bigger Buccaneer, purpose to everybody. Uh, they wore Bradley down to the point where, like, Greedling was able to come in there and uh, kind of... Uh, Help finish him off, though, uh, you know, what is to come to Bradley, I don't know. But he's definitely super weakened. So, I, Fu did, you know, Fu didn't do the the finishing blow like he wanted, but I still feel like Mm -hmm. Fu made an impact, and I hope he knows that. It's like this weird, I don't know. I hope he understands that he still accomplished what he set out to do, in a sense. Yep. And, of course, Greed, with his anger, or Greeling with his anger, broke both his sword, uh, Bradley's sword, Wrath's sword, but also damaged his eye and i think that is something we see the effect of later on because what he like this whole series whatever we see him use his sword or attack or whatnot he attacks with like precision he never misses and he also never attacks to wound he attacks to kill and so when we see him throw the sword at that one soldier and instead of you know doing a fatal blow and hitting him in the face or in the neck or something. He just hits him in the shoulder, which obviously wounds him, but doesn't kill him. And he's still able to get a shot off at him. So, you know, I definitely think we're seeing that Bradley isn't the same power, powerful force that we've seen in the past. Yes. And then, then comes like the second part of this episode that really got me is a Buccaneer's death. And another character who I would say side character status. But, man, did I not feel sad when he died. And he's, uh, the soldiers are like, you know, hang on, don't go. You know, we can get you help. You just gotta hang in there. It's not your time. And Buccaneer's so calm. And Mm -hmm. he's just like, you know, I'm gonna... I don't remember what he said in the show 
uh, I watch it dubbed. So, I mean, you, but I also watch it with subtitles because sometimes it's just easy to read it and hear it. But in the subtitles, I know he says, I'm going to go ahead of you guys. And for me, that feels like, hey, I'm preparing the way for you guys. and You know, eventually we'll meet up with each other, but I'm going to clear the path for us. And the scene, mm-hmm. it shows like the skies and it's just like. It's great seeing this character that is so harsh when you think of Buccaneer and when we first met him and how intense he is and how intense all brick soldiers are and just to see him very it seems so at peace and he's like you know he asked greedling to help defend the gate until olivier was ready and greedling is doing that and the soldiers tell him that and he feels like you know what i i feel i've accomplished what i need to accomplish and i've helped you guys as much as i can and I've succeeded in what I need to do, and I feel at peace. It was just a great moment where he he was at peace, and him saying those words to the soldiers is like, I'm okay passing away right now, and I don't want you to mm-hmm. feel like like my death was in vain or like I'm dying. I, I, he just wants his soldiers like to understand that he's at peace and he's okay with this, and not to mm-hmm. hold on to this. And... I just love that. And this is like another reason like this anime just makes me fall in love with moments and characters. And just, it's, it was such a great moment. I agree. Like he, I mean, obviously he's a soldier too. So he just, you know, being a soldier, he knows that death is a very real possibility for him, but yeah, he, he just kind of accepts it was, kind of powerful in my mind because he's just like, yep, this is this is it. This is what's happening. Um, I've done my job. I'm I'm leaving the rest up to you and that's that. It just I it's it's so great and I wasn't expecting to feel this way for a Buccaneer at his death. So it's it's really refreshing. So I, I was glad we got this moment with him. I agree 100%. Uh, yeah, that, you know, two major deaths, but people are still moving forward and they're all sad about it, understandably so. Uh, seeing Greed, well, Greedling uh, take on an entire army on his own was, I mean, granted, we knew it would, was possible because the ultimate armor, he's, he's not going, or ultimate shield, rather, well, same thing. But he, you know, he's not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to get a hit on him. But at the same time, he's still just him being a one man, uh, a one man army taking on the entire soldiers was pretty fun to watch. Uh, Yes. And to see him be like, greed, I need this power from you. And greed willingly gives it to him because Green knows that he's got a bigger target in sight, but he's he understands that Ling needs to do this. Ling needs to uh, fulfill the honor of Fu and in the memory of Fu, you know, do this. And like in Buccaneer's memory too, like Buccaneer helped Fu. And mm-hmm. he says like a Jing, a Xing, 
person like always keeps their word. And I like how he says that. He says that in a sense like you are one of my people too. Like yeah. I give you my word just like you're like my family too. You're you're not a central soldier or a brig soldier or just a state alchemist or whatever. You're my kind and I give you my word that I will, you know, fulfill your dying wish. Yeah. Which, you know, is sad, but also great to see him do that. And great to see, granted, I don't think it was necessarily because Greed was feeling uh, very generous or anything like that, but it was nice to see Greed uh, kind of not relent, but give give him a little um, power and let him fight for the good side. I do feel like they are coming... Every episode I see them together, I feel like more they're finding this like uh, this groove of working together and almost like uh, in sync in a sense of how they can go back and forth and how they uh, relinquish control to each other. Um, I'm hoping that soon it just becomes very seamless or maybe they can even merge it to one, one really great fusion person. Yeah, we're going to have to see what happens towards the end because, are, you know, yeah, are they going to be one person? Are they going to be two persons? What ha- you know, Are they going to be sharing a body until the end of time? But I guess only time will tell. We still have a few episodes left. And I do love towards the end of this episode when the eclipse is happening and we see Hughes' wife and daughter, you know, looking up at the eclipse and it just it is kind of i we're getting towards the end and it's like feeling full circle almost when we're seeing like these characters aren't forgotten about they still live in this city and they're still moving on with their lives i i love because last time we saw them they weren't in the happiest of spirits it's great to see them kind of you know have moved on i hope not forgotten about hughes but you know, it seems like they've moved on and are living their life, which is great. Yeah, I mean, virtually all you can do when death takes place, unfortunately, is, you know, you never, I guess that, that you never technically move on in the sense that you never for, really forget them, but you learn how to, like, live without them, I guess you could say, like, as best as you can. And so it looks like, yeah, they're definitely plowing forward, for lack of a better term, and figuring out how to how to make life work without Hughes and you know doing their best the best they can I guess a few months have passed since he had died we I don't think we've gotten a specific timeline uh, but you know like I, I'm gonna say like at least maybe half a year possibly a full year has passed but you know if they're moving forward yeah and yeah and I always hear this um you know, I've had some, like, family members pass away and there's been death uh, in my life. And I always, you know, it's very sad. But I've always been told that, you know, you never get over the death, but you replace the sad memories with happy ones of that of that person. So I feel like that's kind of where they are, right? You know, they remember him, but it's the happy moments. But I was so glad to... To see them again and like they're not forgotten here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I liked seeing them, even though it was briefly. Uh, it does remind us that they are still part of this universe, and Hughes is still in a very indirect way at this point, because he's not living. He's still playing a role in everything that's happening. Then we go to, like, Mustang, and they're down there with the doctor, and Hawkeye is being held at sword point, I guess you would say. And, uh, what a... What... A kind of like Sophie's choice of what do I do? You know, they injure her. It's a fatal injury. And I I know what I would do if I was in a situation. But I, I would definitely not do forbidden alchemy. But it would be such a hard such a hard choice. I it it wouldn't be an instant choice in my mind. I would definitely be very torn. I don't know. How, what do you think you would feel like? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to think about it when it's not happening. But if it were to happen, yeah, that would be a very hard choice to make. Because on one hand, you're just letting somebody you care about die. Now, granted, technically, you know, it wasn't his fault. Like, he's not the one who cut her throat. But at the same time, you know, that's... That's not how he's going to process it. He's going to, you know, that that you're going to you're going to think, well, if it was, you know, had I not asked them to come and help, or had I been faster or more decisive or been a better fighter or something, then they'd still be alive. So yeah, she's still he's still at some level going to blame himself for her passing, even if he says, you know, it's kind of that. Um, I forget what the, there's an actual name for it, but it's the idea of like, would you sacrifice an entire planet or a village to save one person? And that's essentially what it comes down to. Like, oh, am I going to sacrifice, must not us? Am I going to open the gate so that they can heal and save her versus, um, uh, versus, you know, become a sacrifice and wind up costing the entire country. But uh, I want to say I know what Mustang is going to do. Like, I, we've been with this character for a while. But Hawkeye, Hawkeye is like such an important person to him. So I don't know. You know, your heart in a high intense situation might make decisions your brain would normally do. Yeah, I think after seeing that, I kind of want to see what he decided. So we maybe, unless you have anything else in this episode, we can jump forward and see how what happens. Now I'm ready. All right. So the episode 59 has lost light and it picks up exactly where the last one left off. Uh, Mustang says, all right, but he says, um, it's not what we think he said. All right, too. Cause the way the other episode ends, it makes it sound like, all right, I agree. I will do the human transmutation, but instead he's saying, all right, I won't do the transmutation. Uh, the doctor is confused because surely Mustang would want to save Riza's life. 
Uh, but Mustang says he won't do it and mocks the doctor for being willing to sacrifice his own men in order to do that earlier transmutation we saw. And, you know, the doctor is kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the doctor is a little, he has hubris thinking like, hey, you know, I've provided these men with lives and, you know, they were abandoned orphans and stuff like that. And I gave them a good life. So course they owe me and they would be willing to sacrifice themselves for me. Uh, all of a sudden, the doctor disappears. He is caught by Gerso, who is, you know, crawling around up top. Uh, and the doctor says that he's the only one who can save Riza, so let him go. Well, Mei Chang and Zampano appear, and they continue to fight and kind of free everybody from the mini Fuhrers. Mei Cheng sees the doctor's philosopher's stone on the ground and chases it, but she decides that it's more important for her to heal Riza than to chase after the stone. So Riza apparently, after getting healed, she mentions that she gave him a signal um, by looking up to say that, like, hey, there is a help is on the way. I guess you could say, like, something like that. <clears throat> And now they take on the remaining men. Shortly after this fight, Wrath appears. Uh, somehow, he survived falling into the moat and swimming through the sewers. And now he is underground and ready to help them. Well, ready to defeat, the, uh, defeat our heroes. But he's also a bit rough for wear. It's clear that he is not in the best shape. Uh, the last fight that he had took, uh, took a toll on him. Wrath mentions that he hates humans because they are unpredictable. He figured that Mustang would do anything to save Riza, but he didn't open the gate. Mustang mentioned that he has people keeping him on straight and narrow, that he has people making sure that he does the right thing. Mei Chang sends his father beneath them. The doctor threatens to attack. All of a sudden, Gerso himself is attacked. And it looks like Pride has joined the fight. Wrath lunges at Mustang and pins him down by putting his swords through Mustang's hands and literally pinning him down to the ground. Pride then attacks the doctor. He uses his shadows to create a transmutation circle. It's not really clear how he's doing it, but Pride absorbs the doctor's knowledge of human transmutation and somehow is able to force Mustang to open the gate. So Mustang is forced to the gate and becomes the fifth sacrifice. And, well, I guess Pride falls to the gate too because we don't see Pride anymore. Wrath is rough and he's beaten up, but he is ready to do one last fight. They do not think that they could take Bradley, but they surmise that Father must be directly under them and that Wrath is keeping them away. Scar decides to engage. Mustang is now at the gate. He sees Truth. The gate opens, pulls him through. We've seen all this before. Uh, he then drops into Father's throne room. Pride arrives too, of course, and he looks a little beaten up. Uh, they point out that Alphonse still hasn't arrived. You know, his body is lying there, but I guess his soul hasn't shown up. Edward checks on Mustang and sees that he went through the gate. 
Edward examines the Mustang to see, you know, if he's missing any limbs or anything weird like that, because the gate does take a toll, and, you know, they want to see what's wrong with Mustang. Mustang is confused as that Ed can't see anything because it's so dark. Well, they reveal that what Mustang lost was his sight. Ed is mad that Mustang performed human transmutation. However, Pride points out that he didn't do it on his own. They had to force him. Father states that Truth is a tricky individual. Uh, Truth tends to kind of have a, an ironic humor about what, what it takes away from people who open the gate. So, like, Al just wanted to feel his mom again, and he lost his body. Azumi wanted to bring back her child and lost her ability to ever get pregnant again. Ed lost his leg to stand on. And then uh, Mustang, who had great visions for his country, has lost his sight. Ed refuses to accept what Truth did to Mustang, as Mustang didn't really open the gate on his own volition. He was forced to do it, so he shouldn't lose anything, really. Wrath and Scar begin their one-on-one -on -one fight. Scar says he has no name. And Wrath says, you know, he has no name either, and he just finds it interesting that these two nameless beings are going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe against each other. They stare at each other, and they fight. The ceiling explodes as a result, uh, the ceiling of Father's throne room, for that matter, uh, and Mei Chang falls down. Mei Chang tries to wake up Alphonse. We see Alphonse in the gateway, and he sees his body... And he's about to bond with it. But then he sees, well, hey, this body is like super frail and weak. And they still need me. Like there's still a fight that it has to be fought. And this body would be useless. So I am going to go through the gate without collecting my body. But I promise at some point I will be back. And so he goes to the gate. And that's that. And yeah, what were your thoughts? Well, I'm glad Mustang decided to do the right thing. I mean, the difficult choice of not using uh, human transmutation to save Hawkeye. Um, but it was awesome seeing, and I, I'm calling, in my notes I write down, it's like May and the Chimera crew, you know, come in to help out. And it was fun seeing them do that. And it was, it was really great seeing May also feeling like a really part of this group, uh, even though she hasn't really spent too much time with Mustang or uh, Hawkeye. I don't, actually, has she, I don't know if she spent any time with them, uh, now that I'm thinking about it. But she does sacrifice her goal, which is getting the Philosopher's Stone, to save them. And I, I thought that was really awesome. Yep, I agree. Like she, that having that, having that stone was like the whole reason she showed up in the first place to uh, to a mistress, and like that philosopher's stone is just is right there, and she could just chase after it, grab it, and she's accomplished her mission. But instead, she decides to not chase after it to help save a life. So that definitely, I think that shows growth in her character. That's showing that, you know, at the end of the day, she still does what's the right thing, even though it's not to her direct benefit. Yeah, and 
again, like, this is to save her people. Because, you know, they're on the end of this Jing food chain. Um, so she needs this so that her tribe can be elevated. But I do feel like in her heart she knows that, yes, the Philosopher's Stone is made from human souls. But I don't know if she wants to be like, I sacrificed, or I put this in front of saving this person's life when I could have saved this person's life. Uh, so it's really great, yeah, seeing her grow up and making these really tough decisions. Like, like last, at the beginning of this episode, a lot of tough decisions decisions being made and it's really great seeing her be like i need to save hawkeye because it can't be done this way i don't want more it's like almost like i don't want more blood on my hands yeah she wants to do the right thing which i i i really stand for i really enjoy that we saw that development in her versus her just saying i'm gonna get the stuff first let me grab the stone then i'm gonna try to heal her and then you know, she gets there and it's too late because, you know, some time has already passed and Riza has bled out quite a bit. So it's not like she has a, a ton of time left to be healed. True. And then Bradley shows up and you're just like, will this guy just die already? He's been through a lot. Like, but I mean, Bradley has been weakened down a lot. But he's still a formidable, um, you know, opponent. Yep, yep, he is. He's 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 getting shot and stuff. But they also point out that unlike the other homunculi, he's not healing. Which you know, I have my own theories as to why that is. Um, I might have mentioned it in a previous episode. I don't know, but. Yeah, he, but he's still, you know, and he's also aging. He's got to be in his 60s, and he's taken quite a beating, getting stabbed to the gut, shot in the, I forgot where he was shot, like in the shoulder or in the chest or something, and getting his eye sliced out and falling and all that stuff. So, and he's still ready and able to fight. Yeah, it's just, um, I don't know if it's a testament to... The Philosopher's Stone or how strong? Um, I don't remember uh, whatever test number he was. But, you know, before Bradley became Fear of Bradley, you know, how strong that spirit of that person was. But, yeah, he's he's still intense. And we're having a, a tense moment with him. And him talking to Mustang about how he thought Mustang would have done, um, you know, human transmutation. Yeah, Mustang also, or not Mustang, but Wrath also, he mentions, you know, he he has a negative view on humans and he didn't like the fact that they are unpredictable because he figured Riza would have, like having Riza bleed out would have been enough of a reason for Mustang to go against all that he believed because, you know, just taking a quick utilitarian view of, oh, I, this, I need to save this life that's right in front of me versus everything else. Uh, but of course, he didn't. And so, must you know, Wrath hates that, <laughs> that unpredictability of humans. And it seems like that's probably going to be his greatest weakness is his 
his hubris, I guess, how he, I guess we've seen that with all the homunculi, the, how they see themselves as being superior to people. But yeah, I guess we're going to see what happens. And it seems like, or at least what they're setting up is it's going to, it's going to somehow end with a fight between him and Scar, but we'll see because we're in the final episode. Yes, and just seeing what a difference Greed is from all these others. I know Greed isn't in this episode, but, you know, seeing Wrath um, talking about how he feels about humans, it just feels so interesting that how all the other homunculi f- like treat, think of humans and then there's greed on this other side who, not because he's bonded with Link, but just, in a sense, embraces uh, humanity. Or is not just, maybe not embraces it, but is fascinated by it and wants to understand it in a sense. Yeah, I think so. I don't. Mean, I think it's because greed's nature doesn't really... Like, what he is going for in the world, if that makes any sense, doesn't really conflict with humanity. So he just wants it. Like, Greed's thing is he wants everything. And I think there's no reason for him to hate humanity as a result of it. So we, like, we've seen Envy where he's envious of humans, and that's why he hated them. And Pride, think, you know, he's prideful, so he thinks he's superior to humans, all of that. Uh, Gluttony and Sloth, we never really saw them demonstrate being um malicious towards people uh but also they were they had simpler mindsets but but yeah i think reed part of it's probably also just him being with ling or him having hung out even like prior to that when with the other greed he was hanging out with all the chimera and whatnot so we you know him spending time with people who weren't homunculi probably affected him to some degree it it is i just find it very interesting the difference between greed and everyone else, uh, especially Wrath, who is who's married to a human, you know. So it's uh, I wonder if like every day he's like looks at her as like I don't like you because I don't understand why you do the things you do. Yeah, I. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. That's just a, that's the thing I'm trying to figure out because he hates humans. But then he loves his wife. Maybe like that's the one exception. Uh, maybe that's the one uh, exception for him is like, oh, um, I hate humans except for my wife. I mean, she seems to have this unwavering love for him as well. So no matter because she she was put in mm-hmm. danger. Uh, well, I mean, the danger was Mustang, but in a sense, it seemed like she was put in the line of danger. Because of him. and But she still like. Worries about him. So maybe he does. Uh, have a soft spot. For his wife. We I don't. I mean I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more about that. I mean we do have. Very little episodes left. But. In all this pride shows up. And kind of is like. Hey time is ticking. We gotta get this done now. And they forced Mustang to do the thing that he doesn't want to do. It's like the human transmutation. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is weird. Like, they kind of yada yada over it because I'm kind of curious. Like, how how were they able to make him do the human transmutation? They're very 
<laughs> they're very unclear about that, but yeah, they they were able to force him. I do feel like that's like, yeah, you're right. They did yada yada like over that, but I do feel like they shouldn't have. It seems like a loophole being exploited, and as a viewer, I would like to know exactly how they exploited that. Because if they, if you could just force someone to do that, why not just force some like random person? They really waited till the last minute, and to be honest, I didn't see them pushing him to do this before this moment. You know, I didn't see like a few episodes ago or I, I don't, I guess a, a season or two ago when all this came to life light, I didn't see them actively trying to push the Mustang into doing human transmutation. They weren't like stabbing people around. I mean, like this is the one you got to do. You're going to do this one or you're going to do this one. It just seemed like, Hey, we got one minute left, you know, fatally wound that girl. Let's hope that he does it this time. It just seemed weird to for them to force it upon him. Yeah, like, you'd think they would have found a sacrifice long ago uh, and not wait until the last minute, but I guess, you know, plot armor or whatnot requires that. And I do, it is interesting, I always find it interesting seeing a character go up to the doorway and see truth, and... When Mustang comes out the other side, which is uh, Father's Lair, I also was confused when he was talking to Ed. I don't know if you got it before me. It took me maybe a minute. But when he was talking to Ed about, how can you see in here? It's so dark. I was In my mind, I was like, oh, maybe it's one of those things where it's dark in there and we can see. And the characters are just used to being in the dark, so now they can kind of see. Mm-hmm. But then when you realize... He's lost his vision, and Pride comes over here. Is it Pride, or is it Father, who kind of is, like, all snarky about, you know, Al wanted to feel human touch, and now he can't feel touch anymore, and Azumi wanted her child, and now she has her, like, reproductive, like, you know, parts taken out. Was it, but... Oh, that, that was father? definitely, uh... Yeah, that was definitely Father. It just was like... Dang, you hit these people when they're down. Not that, you know, Father is this almighty character that's so just. It's just, it was like, man, we're kind of at a low point right now, and you got to rub dirt into the wound. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Uh, He, I mean, obviously he doesn't like people either, so he just doesn't care if he's insulting them. But yeah, just his whole demeanor. And I guess it took him saying that, because I never really thought about that, you know, um, about Al losing his body and all he wanted was to feel his, like his mom hug him. And Azumi mm-hmm. wanted just to see her child again, and then she lost that. And it just hits me this episode, like right in the face, because father's um, taunting them. But... Cash, you gotta live with that. That moment that you you did the human transmutation and you sacrificed everything for just that one person or to see that person again. Mm-hmm. And now you're living like an everyday reminder 
of that one thing you can never have. Yeah. Yeah. Human transportation is not just forbidden. It's also impossible. So it's like a double whammy. You got punished for doing a forbidden art, but then you also got nothing out of it. And just, and it's so, I I don't know. I just feel like it's not fair to Mm -hmm. Mustang that he was, he had no control over his body. It was, and it wasn't even like he was mind controlled. They held him down and did alchemy, which, like you said, I quite don't understand mm-hmm. how it happened, but it did. And it just seems I'm glad Ed is in the same boat as I feel like you and I and me, most of our audience is that this is not fair. Mustang didn't do this on his own will. Yeah, he didn't. Like, he was forced to. So it's like, how can that, like, how, how is that fair necessarily that he has to pay the, the price? And it's just, man, I do feel so, I feel so bad for, for Mustang. And I mean, I wouldn't say Mustang is such an innocent character, but his intentions have always been good. And you could see, like, there's moments that he really cares about the brothers and he cares about his team and how much he loved mm-hmm. Hughes. It's just, and how much he loves his country that he wants to do anything to yep. help rebuild it. And for him to kind of, I don't know, be, be taken somewhere. And like, it's just, it was just, it yep. was very it's sad. Something he didn't want to do. He was forced to do. And, now he has to deal with the consequences. And then again, another as like we're saying, like tough decisions in this episode. We get another one at the end because uh, Al's been passed out this whole time. We're wondering like, what's going on. Well, he's at the doorway and he sees his body. And, you know, this is like he's really there and he's really seeing his body. And he has to make this tough choice of like, do I, you know, come back in my body or do I stay in like this form mm-hmm. that I'm in? And that's, oh, that's another tough choice that I don't know. Like I would have to really think about it, but everything's happening so fast. I don't know how much time he, he had to think about it. He's, but you know, he makes the sacrifice of, uh, staying in his armor because he knows that he's stronger in that than in the body that he sees in front yeah, of him. Yeah, I guess he figures he'll find another way. Like, it's again like one of those utilitarian things where he thinks, yes, I finally got the thing that I wanted this whole time. My body is right in front of me. I can merge with it and that will be that. But at the same time, if he does that, he won't be able to help save the world because that body's too frail. So he's just like, okay, um, I'm going to give up. And I'm going to give up here and not, not necessarily give up, but like, I'm going to give up the ability to get my body back right now in the hopes that maybe down the line, when all of this is done, I can get it back. And I feel like that's like this through line through this episode is, uh, our heroes are, yeah, our heroes are main characters of this episode, like choosing not to do what would make like I guess what would make them happy or fulfill mm-hmm. their goal in place of what is best for the team and what is best for this country and 
what is best for stopping father? You know, Mustang refused to do human transmutation to save Hawkeye. May refused, like, May didn't go after the Philosopher's Stone to save Riza. And then now we have Aus, like, not taking this chance to get his body back in order to be strong to fight against father. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we do see a lot of sacrifice, really, what it boils down to them giving up them having what they want just in front of them and them willing to give up, give that up for the greater good. Yeah. And like these two episodes, just, uh, I really hope next episode is a little more lighthearted. I know we're getting down to what the last four episodes, mm-hmm. last five episodes. Uh, I I'm hoping for a little lighthearted one. I know we're not going to get any side story one probably, but these two episodes out, we just watched are very uh, for me at least I, they were very I agree. Uh, it is they aren't happy episodes by any stretch of the imagination we've seen death we've seen sacrifice uh, disappointment obviously we've got we're now everybody it, we are we are literally at the very end now because everybody is with father everybody's talking about how they're out of time and whatever father's going to do is probably going to happen in the next few episodes. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where things go. Uh, I am really pumped to see kind of, you know, we're, we are at the end. It's like the final countdowns right now. and Our characters are, uh, I wouldn't say they're at their lowest, but they're definitely um, ready to fight, fight it out. So. Let's see how uh, how Father stands against. Them. Yeah, I want to. Yep, I can't wait to see how things end up and what. Well, one, what Father's ultimate plan is, but then also how they deal with it. Yes, I am very curious to kind of figure out the end goal of uh, what Father has in mind. You know, he's given up so much already. Um, you know, a lot of his like what lust, sloth, gluttony. They're all gone. He's, you know, a lot of pieces have fallen. But he, I feel like he feels like it's just, you know, he's to get his goal. So I want to see, like, what's the end goal yep. for him. Uh-huh. We will see what happens, I guess. What, we have three or four more episodes to go? Uh, well, of the podcast, so I guess six or so. I haven't bothered counting, but six or so episodes of the actual show. So, yeah, I guess we'll get to see what happens. Oh. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Well, that's all I've got for today. How about you? Yep. Well, well, I thank you guys for joining us. We are getting to the end. And yeah, looking forward to talking to you guys in the next episode. So, uh, until then, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy. Bye. Bye. Bye.